Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! He's round the goalkeeper, he's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. The only possible Harry Kane reply to Hugo Lloris's text, the official manner of World Cup exit for all 14 vanquished nations in the knockouts, late 1980s industrial hip-hop featuring Brian Moore, does the World Cup count as silverware? Peter Walton isn't taking any of your nonsense anymore. Lionel Messi versus Josko Gvardiol, according to AI Alan Smith, unexpected British TV references during France versus Morocco, and Charlie Eccleshare's dream sporkle quiz. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is football cliches. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 217 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel, the penultimate World Cup adjudication panel, is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well. How are you? Not bad at all. There has been a breaking of silence regarding Harry Kane's penalty heartbreak against France, Charlie. Hugo Lloris revealed that he sent Harry Kane a text after the game. <laughs> Um, the contents of the text have not been made public, despite uh, the work of many a headline to uh, mislead us. Um, I'm less bothered about what he texted Harry Kane. I'm more interested in what Harry Kane would have texted back. <laughs> a life, sort of half a lifetime of five-side tournaments say, go and win it now, eh? Go on. <laughs> yeah, if anyone's going to do it, want it, want it to be you. Alongside you for the adjudication panel is, of course, David Walker. Dave, um, one of the emptier kind of sort of Sunday league sentiments, but it, but it's so easy to deploy in those circumstances. Go on, go on and win it, eh? Even down to the just the good luck for the rest of the season mm. sort of thing after every even a normal game. But I, I'm, I'm intrigued as to what do you think? What do you think Harry Kane would refer to Hugo Lloris as? Because I don't, I think, it, you know, is it a mate? Is it a bro? Is it skipper? You know, because he's you, the you captain. Mean, you mean just in a... In a text, like, in a text. Cheers, oh, mate, right, like cheers mate, like cheers bro yeah. or... Hughes? No, not not in text. <laughs> no, that's difficult in text. Uh, yeah, maybe just a mate in text. Fella? Yeah, I reckon mate. I, I, I don't think bro with, with Hugo. On a sort of parallel issue, Charlie, we should examine how sizable a crumb of comfort is it that your team goes out to the team who eventually go on and win the tournament, if that is indeed turns out mm. to be the case? Is that a, is that a traditional crumb of comfort? I feel like it is. Or at least think... we lost. At least we lost to the team that won it. Do you know what I mean? What does that yeah. get? I th- yeah, I think that does that does make you feel a bit better. Or mm. certainly in this instance, because there has been a lot of talk. I think justifiably that you know England and France felt like the two best teams or two of the best teams in the last day. 
So it would give a little bit more credit. If France then lost to Morocco, you're kind of like, ah, yeah, we, we probably overestimated them a bit. But does it, in a way, make it worse? Because if France go on to win the tournament, and and you could argue that we were you know, level-pegging with France in terms of the, the, the play of the game, then it's more like, it's kind of even more of a missed opportunity. Look, the, the guys that we nearly mm. beat, they won it. We, could, we should have won this. Yeah, you can turn it right round. It's, it's yeah. a very malleable concept, isn't it? Uh, well, that's why I think like Man City, Man City are this weird thing where every rivals of every... Like every club kind of wants City to win the league because then you can say, well, what could we possibly have done? It's City. It's way better if City win the league than it is... Yeah any other club basically because then it makes you think oh that actually could have been and us. nobody knows any Manchester City fans exactly really. like, there's no bragging rights no did, did you see as well um, there was a tweet Gareth Southgate breaks his silence about France defeat literally his post-match interview <laughs> don't break a silence there was barely a silence it was like 20 minutes or something Gareth Southgate breaks silence like silence no. has to be longer for it to be breakable that's there's just no one, speaking there's no one here there's no one here sort of legislating for this sort of stuff it, it is a disgrace it's nonsense and it's and it's it, it's not going to make you want to hear it more is it Dave just to being told that someone has broken their silence immediately after it's, is it lazy or is it just are we all just knackered the whole the, the whole of the football media are just knackered there's nothing left <laughs> I do I do have oh, that thought often <laughs> crosses my mind um, but was that tweet or headline framed Charlie in a sort of did they make it sound like he had broken his silence since the game or was it obviously was there a picture of him in front of the advertising boards was it obvious or was it clickbait I think it was more just like Adam says, almost just a synonym for speaks. Yeah, like I right. think it, it was just sort. Of, it was so without thought. You know, it, in the same way people talk about opens up, and it's like mm. then you read what they say. It's like that it doesn't sound like they've opened up particularly. It just sounds like they've spoken in a very guarded way, but it's used similarly uh, interchangeably with just spoke or said. Maybe we've maybe we've um, established the cooling off period for this sort of thing before. But should we say a week? A week before you break your silence. It's about right. Because that's when people really start to ask questions about whether, what you're going to say. So, yeah, that's when they really start to wonder. So I'd say a week mm. is, the, is the official silence breaking because, barrier. Because once you've gone past a week, if, 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 if you speak before a week has passed, you can say player manager X speaks just days. Just days. Yeah, after. exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Uh, interested to hear you break your silence on Watford doing Watford things, Dave. Um, they tweeted uh, this week they were pleased to confirm the signing of midfielder Leandro Bacuna on a free transfer until the end of the season. Uh, real Watford move this. A former Aston Villa Reading Cardiff midfielder, 31 years old. He oozes Watford. Free agent, yeah. I, I, I'm almost thinking, you know, such is the sort of talk at the moment about all these AI uh, bots, which I'm sure we'll get to later on with Alan <laughs> Smith. But um, are what is Watford's transfer policy being done by AI now? Because are we, are we is it learning exactly what we should do? Because the last time we were in the Championship, we signed we signed Carlos Sanchez, who was a former Aston Villa yeah. midfielder, yeah. On a, and he was a free agent at the time, same sort of time of year. We've also in the last few days signed a player called Mateus Martins, who is a Brazilian um, sort of inside forward from Fluminense, which is <laughs> the same same as we did with a truck. Richarlison and João Pedro before him and then of course we signed the Ishmael Kone who's the Canadian central midfielder as well so we are just we're just ticking all the boxes yeah just pure Watford but if it, if it, if it is slightly broken Charlie why attempt to even spend any time trying to fix it <laughs> that's Watford's strategy isn't it but it's, let's let's crack on 
with the adjudication panel. Now we are at the final stage of this World Cup. Uh, pretty much everyone possible has now finally exited the tournament. So I want to I want to do a stock take of how indeed all these teams have exited the tournament. So the last 16 onwards, I, I'm going to separate all 14 exiting teams into four pots of manners of exit. First of all, bowing out. Now, Charlie, how does a team bow out of a tournament? Quite bow a noble out. thing, is it? Yeah, There's no disgrace. It, no, 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 no. I, I think bow out is you've you've done well. Like getting out of the groups was was the was the target. Then you're slightly playing with house money in the last sixteen, and you yeah. lose to a team that's just better than you, and there's no disgrace there. Interesting. Okay, on that basis, I say the USA bowed out against the Netherlands, three one yep. defeat. Yep. Then following on that theme, Australia bowing out, yes, two one against Argentina. Um, mm-hmm. I, I figured, Dave, that maybe the the manner of their kind of late throwing of the kitchen sink at Argentina might have made it a bit more dramatic than a bowing out, but it is still a bowing out, isn't it? Uh, definitely, uh, because it's you can't put them in any other category. Because they they are exactly what Charlie said. Getting out of the group stage was a massive result for them, and they lost the game. Japan bowed out on penalties against Croatia. Charlie um, just came up against a savvier team. I think was the uh, the lazy consensus there. <laughs> the only thing with them would be whether it was, is is there a category of like had hearts broken? Yeah, I did wonder about sort of yeah dreams ended and hearts broken. But what were Japan's dreams at this stage? I think to get to the next stage was their dream because they'd come so close in 2018 when they were 2 up to Belgium and threw it away in the last minute and then the fact they got to penalties and the penalties were so bad oh. like it wasn't heroic it wasn't a sort of heroic dignified failure it was oh yeah that's a very good caveat actually mm. bad penalties I would say that in the last 16 you can't have your dreams shattered or hearts broken but you can have your hopes ended because it's, it's a more entry-level approach so yeah okay let's let's allow some emotional um, aspects of Japan's exit um Netherlands, Holland, they bowed out on penalties against Argentina. How Are we happy with that? That's all right, isn't it? I mean, again, late drama in the game. Yeah, probably. I mean, that was they felt always like a very destined for a quarterfinal exit. It's a bit hope-shattery, Dave. Hope's dashed. Dashed. Dashed is good. Oh, I do yeah. like dashed. How about England? Did they bow out, Dave, against France? Was that a bowing? Because it was a good performance and we're all tired of talking about how actually good they were. So it seems like it is a bowing out. It doesn't I feel think, dramatic enough to be a heartbreak. It wasn't that heartbreaky. No, I, I think I think it probably is just about a bowing out. It, it's sort of it get it's been talked about. Uh, it's kind of it's been put in the penalty heartbreak box, hasn't it? Misleading. In fifty years' time, people are going to think it was a shootout. Yeah, not good enough. It, but it is sort of a, it's a bit heartbreaky. A little mm, bit. It's a bit of a sickener. Mm. Mm. Leave on a sour note. <laughs> Um, the final team to bow out were Morocco, Charlie, in their 2-0 defeat to France in the semi-final. I, I mean, they're probably the ultimate bowing out of the tournament in the sense that they, you know, we've all enjoyed them. They've won many, many friends and they, and they, you know, went out on their sword, didn't they, a little bit? Yeah, they, they, they did themselves justice on the night. Yeah, they, they must have won more friends than anyone at the tournament. I, uh, in fact, By a distance. Uh, if we could even hope to quantify how many friends Morocco had won, Dave. I read somewhere, I can't remember where, that they'd won tens of millions of friends, which I'm trying to work out who <laughs> those people are. Because if we're talking about the, uh, I don't know, the, the Arab world, well, they were already sort of at least temporary friends of Morocco. So they, they, those friends weren't won. Who else are they winning? Maybe they were. Could, could it be people with Moroccan heritage who are now, you know, have always sort of looked out for their results, but are now fully invested 
in Morocco and they're almost their team. Well, maybe that's not mm. that's not the criteria for winning friends. The whole idea of the friends that you win are people that weren't connected to you at all, and then they you, they fall in True, love yeah. with your with your journey. So maybe maybe the potential for tens of millions is there, Dave. Potentially, or it does feel it, 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 this does feel a little bit like when FIFA say that four billion people watch the final. <laughs> Tens of millions of new friends watch Morocco bow out against France. I mean, presumably, you know, we were often told about how X team attracted Y number of new Instagram followers or Twitter followers or something. So there probably is a way of quantifying not every one of those as friends necessarily. But you'd imagine most people who followed Morocco on social media were doing it because they liked them. Keep an eye on how many um, flights and holidays are booked to Casablanca and Marrakesh in the... Mm. In the coming months, <laughs> I feel like we've just we've just drafted a PR email that's going to drop into my inbox <laughs> within the next twelve hours, something along those lines. Anyway, um, next one, uh, more interesting category. I think this is sent packing. Who was sent packing? I'm going to say South Korea. Charlie was sent packing. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been a bowing out. It would have been a textbook bowing out, but they got thumped for yeah. one by Brazil. That's a sent packing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that's not bowing out. Switzerland. I mean, Switzerland definitely sent packing. That's a six-one. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, they're not. They weren't fancied enough to, for it to be crashing or dumping. So it's a sent packing. It, it's it's unceremonious to an extent, but booting. not a dumping or a crashing. So it's mm. so yeah. Switzerland were sent packing. Senegal sent packing. Dave. I mean, they they were they were fancied to an extent, but they were given a relative schooling by England, yep. weren't they? Three 0 comprehensive. Yeah, off you go. <laughs> um, this next one is undermined, Charlie. By the fact I don't remember anything about this game, but Poland sent packing by France three one apparently. Yeah, I mean also because it was three nil, re- and then Lewandowski scored a very right. late uh, Vary penalty. Yeah, be sent off with packing. you. Uh, yeah, uh, the the final sent packing candidates: Croatia three nil to Argentina in the semi final. That was that was a sent packing, Dave, because I mean to a certain yeah. extent. They they they'd run their course. It was a game too far, but it was still a sent packing. I think so, uh, and I, I think that plays into it. The fact that they they've kind of been this team that have always found a way. They've, this would have that would have been their sixth knockout game in a World Cup in a row that they yeah. if they'd gone if it had gone to extra time and pens that they'd done that. So it was a. I think I almost think it's like a fi- finally sent packing. Yeah. <laughs> At last. I, yeah. There'll be pedants as well listening saying, well, actually, they're not packing because they've got to stick around for an extra <laughs> Oh, that's true. That's true. Wow. Um, I mean, they, you know, they need to, they, they can start the packing process, I guess. Yeah. Just like, yeah, you know, like really responsible people do on the last day of their holiday, even though you've got stuff to do, you might as well get your stuff packed. I'm, I'm going to be going to pack, to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to spend an hour or two packing. Packing, which just does not take as long as people think. <laughs> it re- especially when you're already out. You've got no decisions to make. You've made all the decisions. That's what takes a long time. But you dread having to pack to go home. It's the worst. But um, th- now we've said this phrase at least 12 times in the last 90 seconds, Charlie. It's just the, just the idea, just the concept of it sent packing. It's such a ridiculous <laughs> thing. And yet we just we just use it. We take it for granted. Sent packing. Rubbish. It is great. Because it sounds as if they're sort of helping with the packing pro, just like shoving them towards packing. Go on, go and pack your stuff. Yeah, go on. Just the one dumping out, Dave. Portugal, 1-0 against Morocco. Is that is that harsh? I mean, status-wise, it feels like a dumping, but maybe the manner of the defeat. They were knocking at the door and they just didn't do it. Is that still a dumping? Morocco didn't wipe the floor with them, did they? No. Was it a crashing out? Yeah, I was going to say, it could be a crashing out. Somewhere between those two. I don't think it was... Was it dramatic enough? I think if Morocco had scored late, it would have been a crashing out. I mean, could Spain be dumped out? I know it was a penalty shootout. I've got Spain as crashing out on penalties to Morocco. 
You think more of a crashing? This was a last 16 against an a then unfancied Maybe, yeah. opponent. Um, and it was very sort of Barry Davis uh, and they will not learn mm, they will territory. Not learn, yeah. So it feels more of a crashing to me. Yeah. I guess only dumped in the sense it was such a comprehensive penalty shootout. I mean, Spain didn't score one. To go out 3-0 feels like you have... I could allow it. I could allow a schooling to happen in a penalty shootout. Penalty schooling, yeah. Yeah. The final exit to take care of is Brazil on penalties against Croatia. I think with Brazil, Dave, this is a special case because there's a kind of of national moral panic that goes with Brazil, Mm. like a hysteria that goes with them exiting any tournament. So that's a crashing out. Almost regardless of context, one hundred percent. They were the yeah. they were the bookies' favourites. There's it's just Brazil. They were looking really good. Even in that game, they looked really good. When Neymar scored that goal, probably the best goal of the tournament up to that point, and Enough. everyone was going, "Well, here we go." And then they crashed out within half an hour. Enough players in tears, Charlie, for it to be a crashing mm. out as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that's it. Uh, and uh, no more teams can exit the tournament. Uh, I think we said to say that all we're left with is the final, which you can't be knocked out of. And uh, that's it. So interesting spread of exiting emotions there. Um, of course, Belgium, Charlie, went out in the group stage and mm. uh, Roberto Martinez quickly offered his resignation. They, they have um, published a job advert. <laughs> yes. And um, I mean, I'm always slightly bemused by public job adverts for managerial roles at the top level of elite football. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice, glossy PDF, Charlie. Lots of sort of vague sentiment in there. It's, it isn't a job, really a job description as such, but only one bit of it really caught my eye for our purposes uh, under the profile section of who they're looking for to succeed Martinez and take Belgium on to the next level. He said, we are looking for a serial winner. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's just newspaper chat. <laughs> <laughs> Someone with a winning mentality. That's good to know it actually is used by... National team FAs. What next, Dave? Do you reckon they're sort of sat round the uh, table in Two Bs, uh, the home of the RBFA, and singing, singing, and saying, um, "We need someone to be. We need. We need someone who's box office. We need someone <laughs> box office for this job. <laughs> Sexy appointment. Mm. Is is the serial winner thing? Is that also? Can that be read as a sort of a bit of a jibe at Roberto Martinez as he's on his way out the door? I mean, on a technical level, yes. You, you're you're looking for a sort of reactive appointment, complete change of direction from what you've just had so you could interpret it like that the the um the way it's written as well i don't know whether this is a translation thing or whether it's maybe this is the way it's it's done in a lot of roles but um they've they've written it so it says our national team coach is extremely ambitious and has the necessary top level international experience tactical knowledge and insights as well as the right personal skills rather than our new national team coach will be extremely ambitious i know that that's that's the language of of job yeah. it's like this person mm. who, who has not yet is been it? identified yeah. is already exhibiting those characteristics yeah it's, uh, yeah it's almost like immediate immediate language but um yeah it's all very vague he knows it, how to win trophies in top competition this is just hasn't done it stuff. but knows how yeah doesn't say anything about pro licenses so it looks like it's an open field um good luck to belgium who's gonna he, be i mean ruling out think? they're ruling out appointing a woman straight off the bat which is slightly controversial these days really for a well, national is, fa they should consider it there is a disclaimer at the, at the bottom that says for the sake of simplicity we refer only to the masculine gender unless they apply to both the masculine and feminine or neutral gender so it's just for shorthand, but just say they. Yeah, really easy. I do find the whole, or, as you said, I find the concept of advertising it. Do, does every FA do this? Do, do, does the English FA do this? Not. I, I think I sort of get it. Maybe maybe there's an HR element of like, we have to be transparent and we have to invite as be. many applications. Sure, that's great. But like, yeah, I mean, the concept of like managers, like if Jose Mourinho wants to apply for this job, like be tapping out his CV and sending it across. <laughs> like... 
It's so mad. Can, we have to think about these mundane details, like the idea yeah. of the sort of the, I don't know, the vice president of the Belgian FA, Charlie, saying, I'm, I'm going to be interviewed for the next two or three yeah. hours, to be honest. Mourinho being like, should I include my A-levels? Is, is it relevant anymore? <laughs> it's probably not relevant. They're not going to care about my A-levels. On request. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> drivers, full clean driver's license. <laughs> Loves socialising. <laughs> Captained by Uni Hall's football team. Oh dear, my goodness. Anyway, yeah, God knows who's going to get that job. And I know they don't do A-levels in Portugal to all of you pedants listening. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. <laughs> Stop second-guessing our listeners. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you worry about this too much. You really do. Charlie um, will message me about three hours later. <laughs> Can you just, just cut that just bit out? I'm yeah, really yeah. concerned about that thing I said about A-levels. <laughs> right, um, this one may potentially blow your mind, uh, unless either of you have heard it already. Max Hodges got in touch. And uh, Charlie, I don't know how, how big you are into your industrial hip-hop. Not massively. Of the late 1980s? Mm, no, not hugely. Not that era, specifically. Yeah, 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 it's yeah tricky. before my time. Yeah, Max Hodges wondered if we were aware of the 1987 song, The Game, open brackets, You'll Never Walk Alone, by industrial hip-hop act Tackhead. I would assume well, not, Can says. we, um, what do you mean by industrial hip-hop? It's... I, <laughs> Well out of my comfort zone here. Yeah. But um, I mean, based on this example alone, it's it's a little bit more sort of metally. Right. A lot of drums involved. Okay. Um, more. Never heard of it before. But okay. Yeah. Interested. Crashing drums. Anyway, the reason I ask, says Max Hodges, is because um, this song features Brian Moore commentating on it. Oh, wow. What he can't work out is whether it's sort of field recording of Brian Moore commentating or they got him into the studio to do it. He says it would be strange that he would agree to work on a track by a relatively unknown band. They're American-based, except for one member who's from who's from London. Adrian Sherwood is one of the producers. Um, let's, listen to, let's listen to the first um, opening bits of The Game by Tackhead, 1987. <sighs> Well, the game started at a slow tempo, but I must say it's starting to pick up a real momentum now. Jackhead in the central position. And that change may well inject more light. And at last, we've something to cheer about. Instinctively, Dave, is this real Brian Moore commentary, or is, or have they managed? Did they manage to somehow persuade him in 1987 to come in and record something for them? I think he's recorded it for them. Mm. That's weird. It's very he's computer gamey. It's, it's massively exactly, computer that's game. That's exactly why I think that because it does sound. It's precisely that same intonation and delivery as on computer games. But can we just listen to this again? Because I think this might be the silver bullet. About halfway through, I'm sure he says the name of the band. He does, yeah, it's right at the start. Yeah. Okay, yeah, let's find that because I've got a theory about that. Jackhead in the central position. Now, have they just been clever and sort of spliced some audio together in the way that Dave does when we misspeak? It's too clean. It's too clean. And you can tell as well, in that same way that when yeah, when any of the commentators do the FIFA games or Pro Evo, it, it, you can feel that the emotion isn't there, the intonation yeah. is different, it's it's more synthetic. He, I mean, he must have gone into the studio. Not the most compelling piece of music I've ever heard, Charlie, but there is a clue later on as to the provenance of this audio. And it really is end-to-end stuff. What a performance. Looks as though the drummer's been injured. The sound specialist there giving treatment to the drummer. Go on, 
that's it. I mean, that's that's yeah. recorded for their purposes. What's yeah, going on? Absolutely. Case there's, closed. There's nothing on the internet about this in terms of detail of how, why, and when it happened. The Wikipedia page barely mentions Brian Moore at all. In fact, I think he's just in the in the name of the song in in the in the sort of uh, sort of side B or whatever. But I've got there's just nothing about it. How does anybody not know how on earth Brian Moore got involved in a industrial hip hop song from 1987? And they're fr- they're from this band group. However, it's going. They are uh, from New York originally. So. How on earth did, did this tie up happening? So one of the producers is from London. Okay, so there is that. Um, I mean, I, I suppose I could have contacted him, but you know, they might have just written into ITV or whatever. Or he was huge. Found then, his address. Brian Moore was yeah. the man then. Yeah. He yeah. just thought, why not? I'll do it. In the same way that, like, you wouldn't be surprised if Tyler did that sort of thing today. Like, he, yeah, no, I, I can accessible. see why. Like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, mate, yeah true. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. No, I can see him. Say, I can see why he would agree. Yeah. Just to get the them sort of thinking of him in the first place feels strange. The best thing about it is, in my research for this, I found a live performance of this song with Brian Moore's commentary booming into this nightclub. It's just an absurd scene. It's even more, like, the, the song is even more erratic in a live setting, Dave. But, yeah, and then in between all this just absolute audio chaos, you hear Brian Moore's voice into this throng of fans. Absolutely bizarre. Amazing. I've never heard anyone talk about this song before. So no, me neither. It's not, even ever, it's not even been on The Guardian The Knowledge either, as far as I can see. So we really are onto something. I want people to tell me about this song as soon as they hear this podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Rexham premieres May 2nd on FX, stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Um, do you know who's been growing in confidence throughout this tournament, Charlie? Sam Matterface. Good shout. Right broadcaster. But I'm going for Peter Walton. Right, yeah. Um, because I feel like he's now really hardened to any sort of debate, 50-50 debate about refereeing decisions because he took on the might of Gary Neville 
Roy Keane and Ian Wright and indeed a fairly indignant Mark Pugac at half-time of Argentina versus Croatia. What else is the goalkeeper supposed to do? He's come out, he said himself, <laughs> he hasn't made a forward motion into Alvarez. What else is he supposed to do? Well, win the ball for the first thing. I can understand what they're saying in terms of, well, where else can he go? But the point is, in parallel to that, you think of an outfield player who slides in to make a challenge, misses the ball, catches the man, it's always a foul. So it, it's, it's a foul. Wow. It, may, it may seem harsh, but it's a foul oh. because you can no. clearly see that. Now, if you turn it on its head and say, no, it wasn't a foul, could you imagine the commotion now? It was a foul. <laughs> what I particularly like, Charlie, is the, is the confidence here to take them on. He, he was really sure about himself, and, and rightly so. Every, everyone I saw who was sort of absorbing this coverage thought, what the hell are they on about? Mm. Like, this, it was a foul. His deployment of three areas of logic, which was great. One, didn't get the ball. Can't argue with that. Two, if an outfield player had done it, which is like textbook stuff. And then number three, if it had been the other way around, yeah. what would you be saying then? Uh, that's just, it's just great stuff. Absolutely great and the, stuff. And just the finality, the authority of it was a foul. It's a foul. It's a foul. It's good. It, I, I, I think, I, well, spot on from Walton. Mm. A great moment for Walton, yeah. Hopefully he'll take this moment and this sort of newfound confidence with him back to the Premier League. Because I feel like it was, it's the first time that he's ever really, well, there's ever really been a back and forth with Peter Walton. And I think he was, you could tell he was a little bit, little bit tentative, a little bit nervous, but he was, but he was sure of what he was saying. And I think maybe now this will be a big moment for him. He'll grow from here. I think, yeah, I think he saw this as a really good opportunity. He knew he was right. And then yeah. the rest of it was just, just fell into place. But yeah, he, he sort of, he had a bit of logic for each of them. Yeah. You have that, you can have that, and you can have that. And that's it, done. It's a foul. It's a foul. It was a really weird situation. It was almost like somebody, one of them went first and sort of, I'm sort of assuming maybe Neville had gone, mm. that's, that's not a penalty. Yeah. And they all just sort of fell into line. Mm. And, they, and, they, and they all, none of them could, they went too far. It was like none of them could admit that. You couldn't backtrack from there. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was just it was such a strange way that they were just so emphatic about it not being a penalty. And I was trying to work out why. Like, is it just a case of didn't want an underdog to be conceding a penalty in a game they wanted to be close? I don't know. Is it that sort of, Charlie, that sort of narrative took over? I think I, I, I think that's right about the groupthink element. And I reckon Neville or whoever it was first framed it as a, if you've played the game or if you actually understand how football works, mm. you know that's not a pen. And so the others were kind of like, well... I don't want to be seen as not understanding football or not having played the game, so I'm going to fall into line. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the sort of the fact there wasn't a great degree of contact. I mean, contact's always quite important, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it feels like players the, and it's the clincher for most of these things. But I would have expected the three pundits to take, uh, you know, a certain polarized view of this. But um, I was really surprised by Pugac really getting into because because. Walton being the referee from afar, it feels like the heat, anyone can have a go at him and really sort of interrogate him. But Pugac, chill out, mate. Yeah, you would expect him to, 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 not, to not necessarily take an opinion in that role as the, as the presenter, to pose the questions and kind of open it out a bit. But you're right, he, 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 he completely aligned himself with the other three in that studio. But um, fair play to old Walton. Was this the night that Peter Walton really announced himself to the world? Arrived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he, he can do it at the top level now. He's proved it at yeah. international level. But uh, listener Michael Cox has written in, Charlie, says a mate of mine is a Sunday league keeper and conceded a penalty recently when he got the ball but then clattered into the player. He complained about the decision and the ref just said, anywhere else on the pitch, this surely isn't acceptable ref chat. So we, we had to be careful that this sort of um, kind of popular logic 
doesn't sort of bleed into actual refereeing. It seems to be. Yeah, it is a weird one, that. But is he saying anywhere else on the pitch it would or wouldn't have been a foul? Would have been a foul, is what he's right. saying. But anywhere else on the pitch you can't come out and claim the ball. I know. With your hands, like, that's it's very a, worrying. It is, it is a different situation. I just, I just don't want. I don't want to hear actual referees in a game coming out with the anywhere else on the pitch argument. That's that's just for punditry only. Exactly, referees. You know the rules, so you know. Tell me, tell me the rule that I've broken, yeah, on that I've violated. Merits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Laws, not rules, Dave. Oh, belt um, up, Barry. <laughs> next up, Australian observer Brady Harron has noted that the uh, the BBC say Messi now gets one last chance to win the piece of silverware that has eluded him in his trophy laden <laughs> career. Brady Harron asks, "Is the World Cup silverware? Does it count? Goldenware? Well." Uh, well, I mean, get too literal about this, can we? But yeah, I also yeah. think that silverware no. doesn't do the World Cup justice. Silverware is feels like something you kind of accumulate over your career, the cup. Like, like things you know, medals and trophies that sort of stack up. The World Cup is on its own. It's, if you win it once, that's amazing. It's not. It's not silverware, is it? In that sense. I think it's like it's a two-pronged attack for yeah. Charlie. It's a literal thing, but it's also a figurative thing. It, it almost also it can't be classified as a like a trophy. You know, like when you hear like someone, you'll hear someone uh, say about Spurs or Pochettino. I oh, just needs to win a trophy. You've got to, <laughs> I just want to win a trophy, and it's it's it's, it's, it's trophy, bigger. Isn't it? It's bigger than that. It's yeah, yeah, it transcends that. You can never call it simply one of your trophies. I know what you mean. But if we're going to get super literal about this, um, the World Cup is in fact only 18 carat gold. If it was 24 carat pure gold, it would weigh about 80 kilos. So that would be like a player lifting themselves above their head, which would be pretty hard. So that's a little known fact. To continue the literal theme though, it's it's not not a cup, is it? In any way, shape or no, form. No, no, it's not. Um, I like it, but it isn't a cup. I, but I can reveal, it's because it's 18 carat gold, that means it's 20.8% silver uh-huh. and uh, something like four, right. 5% copper as well. So, so there is silver in there. Kind of work. So it, yeah, mm. so it is. So it is a, an element of silverware involved in lifting the World Cup. I saw someone the other day say that they're running out of space on the bottom of the trophy to engrave yeah. the winners. So what do they do in that? In that, in that? <laughs> yeah. I did read D- something. Ditto marks if you hold, if you hold <laughs> on to it. <laughs> Um, Ibid. Uh, I, <laughs> I did read somewhere before the tournament that I think they're going to add a, like a layer to it and then put the teams around the edges instead, rather than on the base, or yeah, something right. like that. But I'm not sure. I mean, I thought that I thought the listeners' issue from a pedant's point of view was going to be that when they talk about the one trophy to have, to have eluded someone, you you know, obviously, if you're being literal about that, well, has he ever won the Premier League? Has he won the <laughs> FA Cup, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. No, that's so, all right. Once you've won your domestic league, that's that's fine, isn't it? Yeah, but it, it has eluded him, I suppose. You could say it has eluded Lionel Messi. Speaking of the little magician, great to see him turning in knots. A player that everyone had already hailed as the as the best defender at the World Cup, as if we ever need to hail such a thing, Charlie. But um, I think we should enjoy it in its purest context, which is with artificial <laughs> intelligence, Alan Smith. Don't you? <laughs> Here it is. I think it, I think it really... I mean, you don't even need the pictures. It, it really is so visceral. Alvarez receives to Guvardiol. Guvardiol attempts a tackle. Messi dribbles right past defence. Guvardiol goes for a tackle. Messi dribbles right past defence. Messi passes to the centre in the attacking 18. Alvarez receives... It's right up there, I think, with Maradona turns like a little eel, <laughs> comes away from trouble, little squat man. <laughs> Slippery. It's like just as good, eel. isn't it? 
I mean, this could be on an industrial hip hop mashup in years to come. It certainly could. You, you What's going on here? Is he going to have a little think? <laughs> is he going to tell us that he scored? Go on. <laughs> shoots. It's a goal. It's not looking good for Croatia as Argentina scores for the second time after a shot by Julian Alvarez. 68 minutes in, the right in score. and the score is 2-0 to zero with Argentina in the lead. Do they not count penalties or something? No, very well spotted, Charlie. You would think that an Opta-backed AI Alan Smith would, ha- would get the fucking score right, <laughs> wouldn't he? <laughs> He basically, the second... Argentina lead in non-penalty goals. <laughs> no, what happened was the um, it's actually the second goal that confused him. The kind of slightly sort of pinbally second. Oh, goal. really? The algorithm just just fell over, and so it remained one nil, and he just carried on commentating, <laughs> and uh, no one could correct it. So, uh, so Argentina only won two nil in the end, according to AI and Smith. Will there be? You know how they do those like you know what the World Cup would look like if VAR calls hadn't gone against your team? Yeah. Could they do what the World Cup would look like if it was based on what? AI Alan Smith had commentated on because presumably other goals have been missed yeah, along the line. Yeah, maybe Giroud's winner didn't happen. That's right. It's the new VAR. Reality. If AI Alan Smith doesn't recognise it in real time, then it doesn't count. Uh, but you yeah. just just wait until twenty thirty though. It'll be on fine form. Brian Moore's <laughs> law dictates that <laughs> yeah. uh, AI Alan Smith will by twenty thirty be super intelligent. That'll be the singularity in it. AI Alan Smith calling every move that everybody ever makes. (laughs) Anyway, France versus Morocco in the other semi-final. This wasn't picked up on, as far as I can see, by anybody other than listener Adi Dassler, WSAG, Charlie, who noted an astonishing development in footballing body language. It was um, Sofiane Bouffal being fouled out on what I think was the French left-hand side. And he got to his feet and he waved an imaginary card, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't Mm. waggle it in the misguided traditional way he pulled it out of his pocket and held it up and he did this about four times to the referee <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant I think even the referee was actually quite impressed because he didn't the referee didn't come back over to him and say no you don't do that we don't have that it was just like wow fair play you've done your, done your homework there it was like he was playing charades or something <laughs> Christmas has come early <laughs> um, Dave, it's, it's very, very impressive Dave this is an astonishing moment this is, this is a real evolution in this sort of thing and I think we've contributed to this the the next test will be so let's keep an eye on Sofiane Bouffal's game. I think he plays for Angers in mm. in Ligue 1. Um, if if he That's wants it. to get if he gets yeah if he wants to get a player uh, sent off, let's see if he brings it from the back pocket and <laughs> does the yellow and then the red. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, the, the best is quite simply the best imaginary card brandishing I've ever seen. Couldn't wait to go back and and have a look at it, having been alerted to it. And it really is as good as advertised. Really do recommend searching that out. If only I could remember when in the game it was. Now, um, not saying we're scraping the barrel for content at all. I really enjoyed putting this bit together, quite frankly. I don't know how it will go down with you or anybody else. First of all, I just want to set the scene here. Here's Steve Wilson right at the start of the second half on the BBC, describing the task ahead of Morocco. Can they summon the energy and the will and the skill to unsettle the reigning world champions? I can see where you're going with this. <laughs> Ring any belts? <laughs> Charlie, anything with you? No, I don't think so. No, I'm, I'm convinced. I mean, it hit me straight away. Dave knows. Yeah. It hit me straight away at the time. And I thought I'd keep it to myself. But I'm convinced on further reflection, that it was indeed a subconscious reference to this. Oh. 
to unsettle the reigning world champions. Can they summon the energy in the... Will and the skill. <laughs> that was it. I mean, I mean, Dave, at the, at the very, very least, it was in his head to pair them together. I think so. I think you're right. Even subconsciously, yeah. Just once one came, then the next one just rolled off perfectly. Mm. And, and and it fits perfectly over the music. The, the intonation, the, the pacing yeah. of it, great. The will and the skill. So glad he got it that way around as well. Yeah, the international football, the World Cup, almost done. The Premier League's back soon. Domestic football returns. And uh, to celebrate that, slightly prematurely, listener Declan Lawler has got in touch with a very, very special Sporkle quiz that he's unearthed. I'm going to take you through it. I want you guys to play this Sporkle quiz with me. This is quite simply a quiz of whether these two clubs who have ever been in the Premier League have ever played each other in the Premier League. Surprisingly difficult quiz. 20 questions. Ooh, this is good. Let's go. Dave, do we, Brighton do we, want to, do we want to account for the Zoom lag for, for Charlie's hmm. benefit? <laughs> Shouldn't matter. Shouldn't matter in this one. Let's assume that the lag is equal for both of you. Um, I'll, I'll, I, you're we get individual to, questions, presumably. You're not, you won't have to shout the answer first. I just, I just want an answer from each of you and then we'll tally it up at the end. Right. Brighton and Hove Albion versus Hull City. Have they ever played each other in the Premier League? That, this is a good quiz, isn't it? When were Hull last in the Premier League? Brighton would have got promoted, I think, in 2016. I am going to say yes. No. Charlie, you think no? The answer is no. Uh, 1-0 to Charlie. Shit. Question two. Leeds United versus Wigan Athletic. No. Easy one, though. Oh, easy, though. No, yeah, it is, yeah. Both saying no. They haven't. Yes, yeah, 2-1. You both get a point. You got the question right. Question number three. From Premier League, yes, oh, okay. I should get everyone right. No, I'm, I'm very confident that you'll get every one of these right. Um, uh, but let's see. Let's see. Mm. Question three. Swindon Town versus Wimbledon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're both right. 3-2 to Charlie. Question number four. Birmingham City versus Watford. That is... Oh, that's hard. Um, that is... Oh, that's, but... that's, that is an... No, it's a no, I think. No from Wait, Dave. Oh, we beat them in the playoffs to go up first time. Right. And then in the 2006-07 season, Seems they like were perfectly plausible Premier they League weren't up yet. I think they... No, they'd gone down feet. already. Yeah. They'd gone down, I'm pretty they'd, sure. Yeah, they'd... yeah, we crossed paths, I think. Come on. Uh, I'll go no as well. No is correct. Well done. 4-3 to Charlie. Question five. Charlton Athletic versus Coventry City. Yes. Yes, yes. they would have played in um, 98, yep. 99. Okay, you're both yesing, and that is correct. And indeed, 2000, 2001. We're going to lose this on the basis of the Hull question, aren't I? <laughs> could be. You could be bowing out of this quiz. Question six, Leicester City versus Oldham Athletic. No. No, because... No, because they, Leicester came up, didn't they, in the playoffs with Claridge? Yeah, Leicester's yeah. first was 94, 95, and Oldham went out. Correct. At the end of 1994. Charlie leads 6-5 as we go into question 7. Sheffield Wednesday versus Stoke City. No. 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 <laughs> Correct. Question 8. Middlesbrough versus Wolves. Yes. Yeah. 03-04. <laughs> lovely little sprinkling of extra context from Charlie O'Kashair. And that is indeed correct. Char uh, Dave, you went for a yes as well there, I think. Question 9. Cardiff versus Swansea. Yes. Yes. Correct. 13-14. Question 10. Norwich versus Reading. Feels very sort of yes. 05 or yeah. 06, isn't it? No, 12 13, they would have played. Oh, each other. right. Correct. <laughs> Attritional stuff here. Question 11 Blackpool <laughs> versus Burnley. Uh, no. 
Well, the thing is, I need to get something, so I'm going to oppose Charlie just in ca- on the off chance, so yes. Right, Charlie leads 11-9. Bournemouth versus West Brom. Yes. Yes, they've played each other. Correct. Derby versus Fulham. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to lose this, aren't I? But yes. <laughs> yeah, correct. Aston Villa versus Huddersfield Town. Ooh. Were they? Were Aston Villa out of the Premier League while Huddersfield were up? Were Aston Villa out under Steve Bruce when they I went down the answer, under I'm Remy Gard? Go first. I'm going to say no. No is correct. No is correct. Barnsley versus Manchester City. Again, I do know the answer. I'm going to say no. No is correct. No is correct. Very good. That's a tricky one. Blackburn versus Bradford. Do you know this, Charlie? I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely impenetrable in this quiz, and rightly so. Um, I would doubt his DNA if he wasn't getting these questions right. I will say yes. No. Ugh. No is correct. They missed out exactly the two seasons when Blackburn were out. And then... You've sent me packing here. Yeah. <laughs> Birmingham City versus Crystal Palace. Again, I do know the answer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes is correct. Yes is correct. Derby. Oh, 405 among others. Derby versus Sunderland. Uh, yes. Yes. Question 19. Ipswich. Versus Portsmouth. I can't picture it in my head. Say Charlie no. Knows this one already. Say no. Too easy. It's a no, isn't no, it? No is correct. Yeah. No is correct, yes. <laughs> Charlie actually been quite annoying now. And uh, verging on smug, actually. Mm, verging? And, yeah. Uh, final question for you. Nottingham Forest versus QPR. Yes. Yes. Yes, you're correct. Well done, Charlie. A full 20 out of 20 about whether these teams played each other in the Premier League. Dave, 16 for you, Dave. There you go. That's all right. Yeah, not bad. 80%. Yeah, <laughs> yes, indeed. That was worth doing, is it? Uh, the first and last Sporkle quiz we'll ever have on the Football Clichés podcast, but a good one nonetheless. Um, let's finish off with Keys and Grey Corner. <laughs> Sunday. Uh, not much to it this time around, Charlie. Simply the first line of Richard Key's latest blog. Um, he's kept his counsel, actually. Um, <laughs> no blogs from him for about a month over the tournament. And uh, as he says in the opening line of his blog, I thought I'd keep a low profile during the main body of the World Cup and let the competition do the talking for me. I'm glad I did. <laughs> it's been good, hasn't it? <laughs> The World Cup doing his talking for Richard Keyes. <laughs> Incredible. There's no point reading the rest of the blog. It doesn't get any better than that. Let the World Cup do the talking. Yeah, that's man. very I, good of him. I like the um, I like the use of the main body of the World Cup as well. <laughs> the main body of... What? Richard, what's the threshold for the main body of the World Cup? <laughs> <laughs> what's the business end? He's probably about right, is he? No. Last... Last 16 and quarters, I would say main body. Semi-finals, final, yeah. third-place playoff are the, the end bit. They don't count as main body, do they? Yeah. No, too much has happened. Yeah. Maybe he's too right. Too much for main body. He published this just before the semi-finals, I think. Or maybe in between them. Oh, well... Yeah, he yeah he published this before the first semi-finals. So he's got it right about the main body of the World Cup being yeah. quarters and before. Too right. The, the meat of the World Cup. Um, say what you like about Richard Keyes, but he knows when the main body of a tournament <laughs> begins and ends. And uh, he, he signs off, of course, Dave, with his shout for the next England manager, Arsene Wenger. Please, he says. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> he also suggested Wenger to manage United not long ago as a short-term hire. Why? 
That, well, no, yeah, it's in that same exchange. And McAteer says, short term to what? <laughs> <laughs> short term to what? Which is a great question. Um, yeah, we'd been quiet on Keezy. We had, hadn't had much to dig into over the last um, couple of weeks, but I'm, I'm glad we come roaring back. Dave, time to send you packing from this particular adjudication panel. Thank you. 97th cap for you, by the way. Ooh. You won't be able to reach the century during this World Cup, but... Uh, no. Back to domestic duty for you. Charlie, tremendous stuff. Your hopes are still alive, not shattered. And uh, great to have you. Thank you. Can I do the intro on my 100th cap? You know, like when yeah, Ashley yeah. Cole was captain. Yeah, just like Charlie yeah, did. Yeah, I did that for mine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've, you've earned that right, I think. Yeah. I think that's that would be absolutely fine. Just like you're doing the uh, the VPN ads as well. Yeah, and and you can edit the podcast in, in return. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, yeah, let's not go down that road. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday with the final World Cup adjudication panel before things return to domestic matters. I'm looking forward to that. Cheers for listening. See you next week. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.